1968, in the space of just a few weeks, our nation was rocked by the assassinations of two of our most charismatic and beloved leaders, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and Senator Robert F. Kennedy, who had just declared his candidacy for president. At his brother's funeral, Ted Kennedy said these poignant and powerful words. My brother need not be idealized or enlarged in death beyond what he was in life. To be remembered simply as a good and decent man who saw wrong and tried to right it, saw suffering, tried to heal it, saw war and tried to stop it. Those of us who loved him and who take him to his rest today pray that what he was to us and what he wished for others will someday come to pass for all the world. As he said many times in different parts of this nation, to people he touched and those who sought to touch him, some men see things as they are and say, why? I dream things that never were and say, why not? I dream things that never were and say, why not? Any of you here this morning have any dreams for your lives, for your futures, for your family, for the church, for the country? Of course you do. One of the great things about old people like me getting to hang out with young people like you is to see that limitless potential and that optimism that you have for the future. And I would say to you at the outset, don't ever lose that. Dream big dreams. Don't give in to the pessimism that is so prevalent in society. But recognize that God and one person makes a majority in any land, in any time. We've been reading and studying the last few days here about a young man that we read of in God's Word named Joseph. And Joseph had dreams too. In fact, we see that when he approached his brothers, they said derisively, here comes this dreamer. Now, you know that's not Joseph on the picture. That's actually Donny Osmond. Joseph was younger and better looking and not a Mormon. <laughs> but when I was your age, Donny Osmond had one of the most punchable faces I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> you can't understand this story without knowing something about the family dynamics that were going on in Joseph's family. Polygamy had poisoned the well of Jacob's group. Polygamy is the practice when one man has several wives. It was never God's plan. It was always man's plan. And a dumber idea has never been concocted. I'll tell you what polygamy is like. Polygamy is like the trip that I took my brother on for the first time to Krispy Kreme Donuts. My brother was in his 30s. He'd never had a Krispy Kreme. He was a Michigander. They didn't have them up there then. So we go in there, and the donut comes under the glazed waterfall, and they give him a free one, and he eats it, and he says, this is the best thing I've ever had in my life. 
He said, you got to get some more. So I bought a dozen. Within 10 minutes, he and I had eaten 14 Krispy Kreme donuts. One Krispy Kreme donut is a great blessing. Seven Krispy Kreme donuts are a horrible idea gone terribly wrong. That's basically polygamy. But polygamy made... There you go. Polygamy made Joseph's brothers hate him because they had different mothers and they knew that Jacob loved Joseph more than he loved them. And it didn't help when Joseph went and told them his dreams. All of the dreams basically had the same theme. One day, I'm going to be in charge and you're going to be bowing down before me. Just a hint from somebody who's lived a little bit of life. When somebody doesn't like you, don't go and tell them something like that. That's just going to make it worse. And not only that, Joseph didn't always know when to shut up. I've noticed in my life I've never gotten in trouble for something I did not say. I've frequently gotten in trouble for things that I have said. And Joseph came back to his dad and he gave him a bad report. Well, his brothers weren't good people. I'll leave it up to you. Read through the rest of the book of Genesis. These are not really good guys. But Joseph went back and he basically tattled. And what did Cindy Brady say? You can't tattle on people. I think we got a picture of that. Do we have that? Yeah. So anyway, with brothers like this, you would wish to be an only child. So they're going to, first of all, kill Joseph. Reuben steps in and saves that. Then they decide to throw him in a pit, and then they sell him into slavery. Now, what a family. I mean, you, you think your family's got issues? I guarantee you your family's better than this family. But in this case, Joseph ends up in Egypt. And he ends up, first of all, in Potiphar's house with some really well-connected powerful people. Unfortunately, Potiphar's life is one ginormous liar, and she accuses Joseph of physically assaulting her, which of course he did not do. So Joseph goes from Potiphar's house to the big house. We got a picture of the big house here? That's a, not that big house. Look, I'm just going to say this as plainly as I can. You Alabama people have won enough. It's time for me to win, okay? Just go home, be happy with your 72 national championships, and let some of the little sisters of the poor have their day in the sun. So there's that. Now, here's the thing about Joseph. All Joseph did at this point in his life was help people. All the people that Joseph helped did was hurt him. But there's a theme that goes through this. We won't dwell on it, but quickly, notice the theme. In 39 and verse 2 of Genesis, when Joseph is propositioned by this cougar, what does he say? How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Joseph's not going to do the wrong thing. Joseph is going to do the right thing. Does that set a chain of events in motion? You bet it does. Chapter 39, verse 5, for Joseph's sake, the blessing of the Lord was on all he had. But the Lord was with Joseph, and whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. 
Now notice the connection between these two things. Everything in Joseph's life is unfair at this point. The circumstances were unfair. His treatment by others was unfair. But God was blessing him. And God was noticing. Here, we don't realize that sometimes. We imagine that our relationship with God is tied to those circumstances at that moment in time. And that's simply not true. We might be going through difficult circumstances and God might be immeasurably pleased with how we're living. And so it was with Joseph. He asked his prison friend that he had helped to only remember me. Did he remember him? No. None of these guys did. They forgot him. But here's how this ends. Do you remember how the story ends? It actually ends pretty well. You know all those dreams that Joseph was having about he's going to be in charge one day and all of these folks are going to come before him? They actually came true. Joseph was basically running the most important nation on the planet. That'd be like in a modern setting that he's running the United States and everyone's going to him to have all of their problems solved. That's what ended up happening with Joseph. Here's two takeaways before we close. Joseph was blessed because he put God first. We will be blessed when we put God first. That's simply a law that God has built into the universe and it cannot be short-circuited. The Bible says this in Proverbs 19 and verse 21. Many are the plans in the mind of a man but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. This is just a fantastic gathering. God bless all of you for being here. I know some of you are probably doing really well right now. You're enjoying the fact that you got a few days off of school and you don't have to go back to class. And Maybe your life is just where you want it to be. I'm guessing for a lot of the rest of you, though, life isn't going the way that you wanted it to go. Maybe you're having trouble in your family. Maybe you're having trouble with a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Maybe the trouble is you don't have a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Maybe you're having struggles of a different kind. Maybe some of those dreams that you've had simply seem to be going nowhere. They're not coming true. Don't give up. And don't sell God short. He's not done writing your story just yet. I'm not sure if you realize it, but we're in a place that sends that message home in a very, very powerful way. I want to tell you a little bit about this story and show you a few pictures that correspond to it. There was a young teenager from Germany who could have understood in some levels what you're going through if your dreams are not being realized. He was born in 1912 to a very wealthy and educated family, well-connected. His name was Werner. As a child, he had everything that you could want in a family. But he had a dream. His dream was to go to space. All he thought about was outer space. He thought about rockets. And he was really, really brilliant. 
And he started experimenting, and he started building his own rockets. Well, as he got older and more educated, people started to gather around him, and they said, you know, you're on to something here. You're doing something that very few people in the world know anything about. Well, being in Germany, he thought the best way to get his rockets built was to be in a close relationship with the government. The problem is that when he came of age, there were some folks in the government that you probably wouldn't have wanted much to do with. They were called Nazis. There's a picture of Werner as a man visiting with some Nazi officials. You know, it's always interesting. People say, well, if I'd have lived back in that time, I'd have done so-and-so. You probably would have done about what you're doing now. That's simply, that's recency bias, but that's the fact. He didn't care anything about going to war. These people, that's all they thought about. Werner just wanted to build rockets. So he ends up building a rocket called the V-2. The V-2 was the most spectacular item of its kind the world had ever seen. Werner wanted to use that rocket to go to outer space, maybe go to the moon. Guess what the Nazis wanted to use it for? To bomb England, London in particular, and kill the people that they were fighting in World War II. You see the damage that you have in London that the V2s brought. And at this point in his life, Werner had to be thinking, this was not the dream that I dreamed. I wanted to build rockets and go to the moon. And I built rockets and these terrible people are using them to kill my fellow man. That's not the dream that I had. Well, after the war was over, the Americans got to Werner first and to his German scientists, and they said, look, we want you to come over to the United States, and you can teach us some of the things that you know about rocketry. And by the way, if you don't come with us, you're going to go with the Soviets, and you don't even want to know how that's going to turn out. He didn't need any persuading, so he came to the United States, and they shipped him off to New Mexico. Have any of you been to New Mexico before? And it's, it's like a giant sandbox. I like it out there, but it's a lot different than the eastern part of the country. But they set Werner up, and he started working on rocketry, and he started working on experiments. Well, something happened in the 1950s. The Russians got to space first with Sputnik. And the Americans started to just lose their minds. Oh, they were passing us in the space race. We've got to do something. Well, Werner had been telling them all along, if you listen to what we're saying, if you pour some resources in, we can send a man to the moon. Well, finally, people started to take that seriously. When President John F. Kennedy, Robert Kennedy's brother, got in, he made a bold prediction. He said, before this decade is out, we're going to send a man to the moon and bring him back safely. And there were a lot of people in the scientific community that said, he's lost his mind. There's no way in the world we're going to do that. Well, guess what? Werner ended up moving from New Mexico to a little burg called Huntsville, Alabama. You may have heard of it. He liked it because there were trees and there were all kinds of things around here that reminded him of his native Germany. And he started working on building the rocket that would take astronauts to the moon. The Saturn V would be that rocket. To this day, there hasn't been much of anything like it. 
an absolutely spectacular achievement of science and engineering. It was Werner's rocket that got people to the moon and back. You remember that picture, probably the most famous photograph that's ever been taken? That was taken because of that young German boy that had dreams, who ended up in Alabama. And you know how that ended up? We ended up landing a man on the moon and bringing him back. A young man's dream. You realize by now, you're in the Von Braun Center. That's named after that young boy that had a dream. Werner Von Braun. On his grave marker, it simply says this. 1912 to 1977, Psalms 19 and verse 1. You know what that says? The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. That young man had a dream that turned into a nightmare. But his strong belief in God made him see that if we do the right thing, God will bless us. And he did. Don't ever, ever let go of your dreams. That really is something that fuels us as God's people. Joseph had a dream that ended up coming true, even though it took a while. Werner von Braun had a dream that came true, even though it took some twists and turns. You and I, the same thing's going to be true. Life doesn't always work out according to plans, but don't give up on God. He will be with you. In Rudyard Kipling's epic poem, If, there's this stanza. If you can dream and not make dreams your master, if you can think and not make thoughts your aim, if you can meet with triumph and disaster, and treat those two imposters just the same. Kipling was simply saying this. Do the best you can. Put your trust in God. And in the end, he will bring it all out exactly where it needs to be. Let's go to him in prayer as we close. Our Father, we recognize that as we start off as young people, we have so many dreams of things that the future will contain. And Father, we also recognize that sometimes those dreams get delayed. Sometimes they get sidetracked, as in the case of your servant Joseph. But Father, we know that when we commit our plans to you, Father, you will bring about blessing. Father, help us to have that burning desire in our hearts to do what is right, to love you, to serve you well all the days of our lives. And Father, we commit our plans, our hopes, our dreams, our futures to you and to you alone. In the name of Jesus, we offer this prayer. Amen.